Score Innovation Podcast. Welcome to the Score Innovation Podcast channel for a new property and casualty episode. My name is Bill Kaplan, and I'm the Global Chief Underwriting Officer for Cyber Liability at SCORE for Reinsurance. And with me is Margaret Rose, who heads up financial lines in the Americas for SCORE Specialty Insurance. And we're your hosts today. As one of the world's largest reinsurers, SCORE provides insurance companies with diverse and innovative solutions focused on the art and science of risk. So today we're going to talk about cyber liability, and there's certainly a lot to talk about. With 2020 finally behind us, how's the market environment for cyber insurance evolved over the last 12 months? We seem to be hearing about new attacks almost daily. Hi, Bill. Uh, Yeah, that's right. 2020 uh, has been a challenging year for cyber insurance, to say the least. Um, The year kind of started as on a, on a relatively benign note, but then COVID hit in March, which presented multiple challenges for everybody. So um, all of a sudden you have entire workforces working from home, which is just not something that has been done before on such a scale. Um, and that created a challenging environment for companies because it increased the attack surface uh, for potential threat actors to take advantage of. And what I mean by that is employees were accessing corporate networks on their own personal computers, which may not be as secure as company-issued laptops. And then we had companies uh, who were relying on home networks, um, and uh, they were relying on security of Wi-Fi, which, as you know, could host uh, anything from your toaster oven to your roommate. Um, so that presented a lot of challenges and, and hackers are always eager to exploit the crisis and this pandemic was not di- not any different. So we've seen a lot of phishing attacks, uh, hackers looking to exploit human emotion and human vulnerability during COVID-19, impersonating health organizations and delivering fake news related to the pandemic. Um, We also saw um, a slew of remote desktop protocols attacks where hackers were looking to gain access to corporate networks. They were looking to identify kind of public server, public facing server servers sitting on the Internet with open ports and unpatched vulnerabilities, which gave them kind of an attack pathway to corporate networks. And on top of that, uh, we had the continuation of ransomware attacks. Uh, We've seen an acceleration there compared to the previous year. Um, Generally, attacks have gotten uh, more frequent and larger, and they started to impact companies of all shapes and sizes, from SMEs to Fortune 500 companies, and also impacting companies in all sectors. In the past, it used to be that only companies in the public sector education uh, were the the prime targets for attackers, but now we're seeing even big companies uh, being being hit by ransomware. And then to top it all off before the the year finally concluded, at the end of 2020, we had the solar wind hack, uh, which showcased that cyber had a systemic component to it that can't be overlooked. Um, And then it exemplified that even the, the best and the biggest companies, uh, we've seen some of the cybersecurity companies getting hacked. Uh, so that that attack really showed that even the most sophisticated companies can be breached. 
So, yeah, it's been a uh, very active year with, with, I would say, ransomware being the key driver for losses for primary insurers. But hang on a second. I mean, haven't cyber insurers covered ransomware for a long time? I mean, what changed in 2020? Yeah, so cyber insurers have been covering ransomware for a long time. And um, just to kind of level the playing field, ransomware is essentially a way of making money through hacking. Um, a classic example is when hackers gain access to corporate networks um, and use malware to encrypt the data. Doing that paralyzes uh, the victim's daily operations. Um, oftentimes they have to pay a ransom to get the encryption key. So it's basically a modern crime. And it's been around for a long time. Um, and to be clear, it's been around before the pandemic. Uh, but it really accelerated in 2020, and there are a couple reasons for it. First, we've seen a tremendous sophistication of threat actors. Uh, today, ransomware is a legitimate business. Um, hackers are also taking advantage of the pandemic and um, are finding human vulnerability, which often, uh, you know, generally speaking, human error is to blame for majority of attacks. So hackers were looking to uh, take advantage of employees cooped up at home, just looking for any sort of news about either the COVID vaccine or um, return back to the office. We've also seen um, an increase in big game, game hunting, uh, which is essentially a phrase or a term um, that describes that hackers are really deliberately looking for companies that have high value data, um, and who are relying on technology to conduct their business. So, for example, manufacturing companies, healthcare, managed services, government agencies, um, having those two components, um, having high value data and relying on technology to conduct your business really increases the likelihood that you will uh, get hit and that you'll be more incentivized to pay ransom. Uh, we've also seen uh, a change in how these ransomware attacks are conducted. Back in the day, it was all about disruption, encrypting your, the data that lives on your network, and um, you had to pay a ransom to get it all back. We're seeing um, ransomware attackers are now exfiltrating data before they encrypt it, and they use it as a leverage against companies to say, hey, if you're not going to pay us the money, we're going to publish the, the data, and oftentimes they do. Uh, on the back of that, that um, we've also seen the rise in ransom demands. Um, it used to be a five-figure demand. Now we've seen seven and eight figures, and it keeps going on. And let's not forget that ransom payment, the, the extortion, is actually just one component of the loss cost. You have to deal with the cost of data restoration, lost profit due to business downtime, and then incident response cost if data was exfiltrated. So all in, the cost to contain an attack um, has increased tremendously. Um, we've seen uh, losses coming in uh, for companies being affected by ransomware uh, upwards of 50 million, which was just unheard of a couple of years ago. Um, and just to tell you how bad really things have, have gone, um, we've seen OFAC coming out with, a, with an advisory uh, back in October of 2020 saying, hey, you know, if you're facilitating payments for companies that are on the sanctions list, you may be, um, you may be susceptible for um, sanctioned risk. So this really gives you an idea how bad things have gotten last year. Sure, I can see that. So how pivotal was the rise in ransomware to the market environment 
And how did the primary market react? Yeah, so it's been uh, pretty substantial because it really impacted attritional loss ratios of primary insurers. So that kind of put a question around profitability of this line of business over the long term horizon. Well, at the beginning of 2020, the increases in cyber liability insurance were lagging. Uh, financial lines insurance uh, rate increases or, or general liability environment, the market hardening really gained momentum in the middle of the year and started to accelerate towards the end of the year. Uh, so much so that at the end of the year, we started to see double digit rate increases. We've seen restrictions of capacity from the market uh, that led to, to some gaps in programs. Uh, we've seen pressure on higher SIRs and underwriters generally requiring greater disclosure from companies to better assess the exposures that they were taking on. Um, and just to uh, point out, this hard market wasn't really caused by, you know, a capital event of some sort. It was really an underperformance of books. Uh, led to constrained appetite to deploy capacity as markets were looking a little bit more closely at the aggregate limits in their books. So what do you expect uh, to happen in 2021? So I think we're going to see continuation of trends that started in 2020. Uh, broadly speaking, that means repricing of risks and primary markets looking to curb their exposure to ransomware claims, either through sublimits or coinsurance. Um, I also think that insurers will be more turning their attentions towards coverage components that are susceptible to systemic risk, such as contingent business interruption and system failure. Um, I think that privacy liability will make a comeback in 2021. Um, we've already seen the first wave of class action litigation related to California Consumer Privacy Act, um, and that act allows consumers to pursue statutory damages without having to prove actual harm. So we're watching that space uh, very closely. I think we also may see some new product development tied to physical damage and ensuing business interruption loss resulting from a cyber event. This coverage has been largely eliminated from property policies, which can leave companies that operate in the so-called industry 4.0 um, uninsured for potential losses. And with proliferation of Internet of Things in industrial settings, cyber risk is a growing threat. So there needs to be a better way to transfer that risk to insurers. What I don't see in 2021 is a narrative about cyber insurance not paying claims. I think after 2020, uh, the product has proven its value and we can finally put that thesis to rest. I would agree with that. Yeah. So. How, uh, how has been the reinsurance market bill? One month has traditionally been a pretty pivotal moment for the reinsurance market, setting the tone for the rest of the year. So how was that for you? Without a doubt, ransomware uh, dominated our conversations with our clients. And uh, echoing what you said earlier, the, we saw the loss ratio, the adverse impact of uh, ransomware claims on uh, our clients' uh, uh, loss ratios. And so a lot of discussion was around, you know, how our clients were adjusting to this new threat, what they were doing about it from an underwriting standpoint, from a pricing standpoint, from a coverage standpoint. And interestingly, uh, we started seeing for the first time some of our peers pull back on uh, capacity, particularly on XOL treaties. Right. So why ransomware has been such a concern for reinsurers? 
Sure. So, uh, you know, in prior years for uh, reinsurers, the the uh, the claims environment was really driven by uh, a single network breach or, or, a, or a hack of a, a network system uh, right. of a large retail organization or a large health care organization, uh, which would lead to a loss of, you know, 100 million or 200 million dollars. And it would, you know, I would say burn through the tower. In other words, uh, uh, these these large companies will buy upwards of 100 million or 200 million dollars of cyber liability insurance, and they build it in blocks of 10 million dollars at a time. So, as a reinsurer, when you're supporting multiple sedents uh, on a on a particular loss, uh, you're seeing that loss, you know, three, four, five times. Uh, so, it, it, you know, if it's an accumulation concern, uh, right. with ransomware, and especially on quota share treaties where we sit side by side. You know, the, the our clients' result is our result, and so we're you know, if the loss ratio is uh, increasing for our clients, it's increasing for us as well. And and the other thing to cons- uh, to say is, you know, uh, getting back to the accumulation exposure, and as you talked about earlier about the sophistication of these hackers and the uh, the the quantum of the claims and the the, the losses that are being incurred. Uh, you know, heretofore, ransomware was seen as maybe a primary layer uh, event where the loss could be contained in the first uh, $10 million of an insurance tower. But as the quantum increases and it starts creeping into the excess, the accumulation concern comes back to the reinsurers. Wow. Do you think this is like a, a paradigm shift for cyber reinsurers? Yes. You know, we were always aware that, uh, you know, there was some sort of threat uh, lurking in this class of business. Uh, we always thought, I think the market thought that it was maybe more, it, it was more likely to be a cyber hurricane where uh, uh, a mass data breach would, in, would, would sweep across multiple industries. And so not just one insurance tower would be impacted where we would have multiple uh, clients on the program, but you know, multiply that by you know, tens or hundreds. But ransomware and, you know, our clients' inability to really prevent these attacks is causing significant loss in a more traditional way. And it's been interesting to see how the market reacts. Like you said, rate increases, you know, and I concur, our clients concur with what you say, where uh, the momentum for these rate increases built during 2020 to where we see it now being sort of firmly in mid-double digit um, range, and it's probably going to increase into 2021. We also saw our clients uh, reducing their limits. So if they were writing 15 or $20 million limit for an insured, that limit's been pulled back to 10 million and even 5 million. Um, we're starting to see more qualitative changes in terms of you know underwriting authority being more restricted uh, to several senior uh, members of uh, the underwriting team. And uh, during 2020, we started, started seeing the use of uh, supplemental questionnaires specific to ransomware exposure and how an insured was uh, addressing that threat environment. And then depending on the responses to that questionnaire uh, would, would dictate, you know, whether a, uh, whether one of our, whether one, whether our clients would uh, offer insurance or offer less insurance or, or uh, offer more insurance. Right. Interesting. Um, and like from, from your observations in the market, do you think there's generally has been a change in how the reinsurance market is approaching cyber in terms of expertise that is being housed in-house, developing kind of accumulation models. Have you seen a, um, a 
development or evolution there in the last couple of years? We have, we have ourselves and, and our peers are, are getting uh, are getting better at uh, assessing uh, cyber risk from a pricing standpoint, from an underwriting standpoint, and perhaps most importantly from a modeling standpoint. Right. So we're starting to see, we're starting to, uh, we've been asking for improved uh, data, which typically comes in the form of an enforced policy listing that would give you the, the names of the insureds, uh, their limits, and their premiums. And we've expanded that, and the market seems to be accepting that we also need industry segmentation and also revenue information so that we can uh, better assess the, the business interruption uh, component of a loss. Without a doubt, the market's becoming more uh, more mature in how they're um, um, uh, addressing the exposure. Right. That's great because I, I think in the end, that's uh, getting uh, additional information from students will only help reinsurers better quantify risk so um, and kind of manage the exposures there in our books. So that's that's great news. So looking in it into 2021, what are some of the themes that you think are coming um, in the in the current year uh, that are going to be important for cyber reinsurers? Sure, sure. So I think if one one was a bellwether for the rest of the year, uh, I think reinsurers are going to be seeing an increased demand uh, for their capacity, uh, which could lead to uh, further tightening. Um, you know, as I said, we saw some reinsurers uh, not exit necessarily the class, but certainly pull back in their capacity, which uh, presented some opportunities. And I think ultimately, you know, Given all that's uh, happening uh, with ransomware, with uh, regulatory threats, uh, um, you know, a fair question could be asked, you know, why are we in this line of business? Right. And I think the answer to that is that uh, the market's correct with rate, with restrictive terms and conditions, and with heightened underwritings, under, heightened underwriting. So I think it just needs to play out. Um, uh, and, and we'll see where this uh, where this takes us. But 2021, like the years before, it is definitely going to be an interesting year for this class. Yeah, it sounds like both you and I are going to be incredibly busy. <laughs> Without a doubt. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Margaret. Thank you to all of our guests for joining today. You can subscribe to the Score Innovation Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other audio platforms and be our first listener to new episodes. If you want to share your insights with us, then send us a message at scorepodcast at score.com. Stay tuned and see you at the next episode of Score Innovation Podcast.